0: Good morning, my name is Gordon Thompson and I'm an elder here. For the last few Sundays we've been exploring the Sermon on the Mount. Last week Gavin shared about the Lord's Prayer and how it is distinguished from other rabbinical prayers by its requirement that you forgive others. Today we'll be looking at fasting. We'll be looking at Matthew 16-18 6, where Jesus tells the crowd how they should conduct a fast. We don't often address this subject. So have you ever undertaken a fast? Many years ago when I was about 22 and my brain was still forming, they told me, I was attending a live-in Bible college and I found myself facing the dawning prospect of a day-long fast with very little notice. Now, fasting wasn't exactly my forte and it wasn't something I was looking forward to. So I was determined to find a way to avoid it while still keeping the peace. Being a resourceful thinker, I came up with a brilliant plan. I decided to rely on the calorie-stuffed magical power of chocolate. So at break times, during the day in this college, I had discovered we had a choice of three beverages. Coffee, tea, or drinking chocolate. So, my plan was simple. I would consume as many hot chocolate drinks as I could throughout the day to take the edge off my hunger. The day of the fast arrived quickly, and as my fellow students solemnly prepared themselves for the day, I embarked on my secret mission. I would sneak into the lounge and consume one or maybe two cups of thick chocolate drink with lots of milk powder and extra sugar at breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner and supper. Nobody seemed to object, but, um, I don't know how they didn't notice because there were eyes everywhere. So there I was, a sanctified, baptized, Bible-believing cheat. And I don't believe that that fooled the Dean for a moment. Of course, there can be valid reasons to do a partial fast, but I was doing it to look good and to please the faculty. Well, excuse me. It gets worse. It turns out there was another person in the college who fudged his fast also. A young man we were called John. He had his own scheme in mind and he had managed to get his hands on a very large box of lovely juicy apples. Source unknown. Determined to avoid the fast. John devised a plan to hide the entire box of apples just outside his window in his dorm. So it was nicely and strategically placed for access throughout the day while he was supposed to be quiet in his devotions. Presumably he had already teed this up with his roommate, but even so it did not take long for his secret stash of apples to become gone common knowledge throughout the college and even talked in church about. Well, In this day and age of Bible colleges, they have a subject they call spiritual formation, which covers the subject of fasting. But in my book, nothing beats the live-in Bible college for exposing real, the real state of our spiritual and moral development. John and I were fasting to be seen by others as doing the right thing. On the surface, our fast was at best partial, and really our hearts were not in the fast. However, it is clear from the scripture that we'll be looking at today that we are called to walk our walk and talk our talk. Fasting, along with other acts of devotion, should be motivated by sincerity and authenticity, a genuine personal desire to draw closer to God and not something that we do to conform or look good to others. So what about you? Have you ever had an occasion to fast? If so, was it thrust upon you like it was in Bible college for me? Did you feel driven to conform? Was it a religious event? Perhaps it was more of an accident. You simply ran out of money and couldn't buy any food. Perhaps it was a medical thing where you had to fast before you gave blood, and there are other health reasons that people fast. People keen to extend their earthly life by being anxious about what they do and what they eat, are embracing fasting as a health kick. I once reported to a mentor of mine that a science experiment, a science experiment using mice, demonstrated that they live three times longer if they're forced to fast periodically. And he wrote back, no, it just seems longer. So let's turn to the day scripture. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. Reading from verse 16. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father in heaven. It is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we see opens with when you fast. There's an assumption here. In Jesus' time, fasting was commonly practised by the Jewish people. It was woven into their religious traditions and teachings. The act of fasting was deeply ingrained in their Jewish culture and it had several purposes. There were the official occasions for observance, like the Day of Atonement. It could be part of preparing for an important event, for mourning and for repentance, expressing devotion to God and showing solidarity with the needy. Fasting was a vital part of their spiritual practices and helped them to seek God's favour, to reflect on their actions and to connect with him on a deeper level. So in this passage, Jesus is not frowning upon fasting. It's an accepted and traditional practice. What he is concerned with here is the habit of lying to others about your intentions. Fasting to look good on the outside, that's two-faced. Impressing people and not honouring God. There are several verses in the Bible that emphasize the theme of sincerity in one's faith and acts of devotion. Here is one example. Psalm 51, 17 My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. And this verse highlights the importance of a sincere and repentant heart as the true sacrifice that pleases God. So Christ begins, when you fast, do this. And when Christ gives instructions for fasting, he gives instructions. So it's not an if you fast. It's when you fast. So it does seem we're intended to fast. Now what that looks like, the Bible doesn't specifically say, but listen to these verses from Matthew 9, 14 to 15. John's disciples are asking Jesus, why are your disciples not fasting? And Jesus says, can a wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. So here we see that the Lord is saying that God intends us to fast as a way to reconnect with Christ. Perhaps you've heard of Lent. Though not often observed in Baptist churches, Lent appears to have been proposed as a way to encourage believers to fast in preparation for Easter. Lent shares some of the similarities with the traditional Jewish fast that Jesus would have known. Both Lent and traditional Jewish fasts involve a period of preparation and reflection. During the season of Lent, many Christians will partially fast. They will abstain from certain foods or activities as a way to focus more on spending time with God. It's okay, you see, for fasting to be a family, communal or a whole church thing. Other people finding out that you are doing this is not a central problem. It's not the problem that Jesus is addressing in Scripture. What is bad is if we're making a big deal out of it and showing off, because then we are probably not fasting for the right reasons. Both Lent and traditional Jewish fasts serve as an opportunity for seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. These periods of fasting and self-reflection are intended to encourage spiritual growth, deepen faith and cultivate a closer relationship with God. Now, Christ is our example in most things. So did Jesus fast? Well, yes. First of all, Jesus was a Jew and he followed their laws and these made provision for fast days. He also taught on fasting and furthermore, he prepared himself spiritually by fasting. A notable example is described in Matthew 4, 1-2 and also in the parallel accounts found in Mark and Luke. In these passages it is written that after his baptism by John the Baptist, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The purpose of Jesus fasting in the wilderness was to prepare himself for his ministry and to undergo a period of testing and spiritual strengthening. It served as a significant event at the beginning of his public ministry and it demonstrated his commitment and his resolve to fulfil God's will. He also sometimes fasted spontaneously. In John 4.34, after Jesus skipped a meal to talk to a Samaritan woman, he explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. So his delight was not a Turkish snack bar or some form of dessert. His delight was living, the living word of God, and being a channel for God's blessing. Quite in Deuteronomy 8.3, earlier on, he had said, One is not sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So these biblical accounts highlight the significance of fasting in Jesus' life and teaching, emphasising its role as a spiritual practice and a means of drawing closer to God, and recognising God as the source of our sustenance and even our very lives. So what does our text today mean for believers? What are we to do with it today? Well, Matthew 6, 16-18 is a passage where Jesus addresses the issue of fasting. Jesus begins by highlighting the importance of sincerity and authenticity when fasting. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that others may see their fasting. This reminds believers today that fasting is not meant to be a showy or a self-righteous act. Instead, it should be an authentic expression of devotion to God, done with a humble heart and a genuine desire to seek him. Jesus continues, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in heaven. This passage emphasises the central motivation for fasting. It encourages us to engage in acts of fasting as a means of drawing closer to God. Seeking his guidance, deepening our spiritual journey. It suggests that fasting should be something between individual and God. Do it for God and not to impress others. Jesus concludes that passage by saying, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. This statement highlights the promise of divine reward for those who engage in fasting with the right motives and with a sincere manner. In our spiritual life today, this serves as a reminder that acts of devotion, including fasting, should ultimately be done with the intention of pleasing God rather than seeking recognition. The reward may come in the form of spiritual growth, increased intimacy with God or a deepening sense of his presence. Overall, our text for today emphasises the importance of sincerity, authenticity and the personal nature of fasting. For us today, this passage encourages us to approach fasting as a spiritual discipline that is focused on seeking God's presence and his guidance. It reminds individuals to maintain a genuine and humble attitude avoiding self-righteousness or grandstanding. The promise of God's reward serves as an encouragement to engage the vaccine of devotion with a sincere heart and a desire to draw nearer to him. So why should people fast? The Bible provides several reasons why people may choose to fast and here are some key reasons derived from the Bible teachings. Fasting can be an expression of humility and repentance before God. It is a recognition of human frailty and dependence on God's mercy. Fasting can be accompanied by prayers of confession, seeking forgiveness and renewed commitment to living in accordance with God's will. Fasting can be a means of seeking God's guidance and direction in important decisions and challenging situations. Fasting can create a space for clarity discernment and a heightened receptivity to God's voice leading to guidance and direction in various areas of one's life. Fasting can be a response to times of mourning, grief or deep lamentation. In such circumstances individuals may choose to abstain from food as an outward expression of inner sorrow seeking solace and comfort from God. Fasting can be a way to engage in spiritual warfare. In moments of fasting, individuals deny their physical desires and rely on God's strength to resist temptation and to overcome spiritual battles. Fasting can serve as a reminder that true sustenance comes from God alone. Fasting can serve as a spiritual discipline that helps believers draw closer to God. By voluntarily abstaining from food or from other forms of physical sustenance, or even a good old telly, for a period of time, individuals can redirect their folks' attention towards prayer. Fasting can create a space for spiritual reflection, dependence on God, and a heightened sensitivity to his presence. In my introduction, I mentioned two examples of college students who fudged on their fast. Sadly, one of them was me. But not all students behave this way. So, by way of a positive example, let's look at a young lady we will call Sarah. Sarah enjoyed her college fasts and, intrigued by the possibility she might draw closer to God and find delight in His presence, she decided that during her term break she would embark on a seven day fast. Throughout this period, while I was picking gherkins to earn some money, Sarah decided to dedicate herself to prayer and seeking God's presence even though it meant facing physical challenges such as hunger gnawing in her belly and weakness tugging at her limbs. Undeterred, she found strength in her faith, spending quiet hours pouring out her heart to God, seeking his wisdom, guidance and deeper understanding. As the week progressed, progressed, Sarah broke through the pain and experienced a profound change within herself it was as if a veil had been lifted from her eyes revealing a deeper connection with god and the more she sought him in prayer and fasting the more she sensed his love and presence on the final day of her fast sarah visited a neighbor who was going through a challenging time as she listened to her neighbor's struggle sarah felt a profound empathy and compassion welling up within her with tears in her eyes, she offered heartfelt prayers for her neighbor's situation, feeling a newfound sense of interconnectedness with those around her. Jesus says in our scripture today that when fasting is approached with the right motives and alignment with biblical principles, it will be rewarded. Fasting should be a commitment made between you and Christ, and should be undertaken with wisdom taking into account one's physical health and individual circumstances. So while fasting can be meaningful and a spiritual practice that's useful for many individuals, there are valid reasons why a person may choose not to fast. Fasting usually involves abstaining from food or drink for a period of time. This may not be suitable for individuals with certain health conditions or medical concerns. Some individuals may require a regular intake of food to manage a specific health condition. People with a history of eating disorders or who are susceptible to unhealthy thoughts and behaviours relating to food may have a bad response to fasting. In view of what happened to a friend of mine, I also don't recommend fasting while driving. So decisions regarding fasting should be made with a careful consideration of one's circumstances and if there are concerns or uncertainties, guidance from a trusted spiritual leader, a healthcare professional or a nutritionist may prove valuable. To sum up, the one key thought that we can draw from our passage today is the emphasis on sincerity and authenticity in one's acts of devotion particularly in the context of fasting. Jesus teaches us that fasting should not be done to show, for show, or to gain the recognition and praise of others. Instead, it should be a sincere act, demonstrating your desire to come closer to God. I do hope your next devotional endeavour won't be tainted with the outward conformism and dishonesty that my fasting college was. I do encourage you to consider the rewards that can come from sincere fasting. I hope and pray that you will consider it as part of your spiritual tool set. And as Zechariah 4.10 states, there is nothing despicable about beginning small. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you will help us to cultivate hearts that seek you genuinely, not desiring recognition or praise from others, but desiring a deep and intimate relationship with you, May our acts of fasting, prayer and devotion spring from a sincere desire to draw closer to you and align our lives with your will. May the lessons we have learned today guide us in our daily lives, not only during times of fasting but in all aspects of our walk with you. As we seek to live authentically and to be on mission every day for your glory, may your Holy Spirit empower us to be faithful witnesses, bringing light and love to a world in need.